0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall
1: guy.
2: Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes!
1: A podcast with a purpose. All dolphins, all the time. Touchdown! Now here's your host Brendan Tobin and Alejandro Solana. Welcome on in everybody to another edition of the Porpoise Pod. Brendan Tobin here with you alongside my co-host Alejandro Solana. It's good to see you in person, man. I like doing these in person. It's Me good. too. Yeah, it's good to see you face to face, eye to eye. I'm right. not used to this on the on the radio. You know, Leroy. He is uh, my co-host. Leroy Horde, is. Nowhere to be seen. I'm trying to guilt him into coming back, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. Yeah, don't worry. Hawk and Crowder uh, are almost never in studio either. Yeah, that's so. you guys are like, is it weird? Like, what you know? It's before we get weird. to the, it's <laughs> like, what are you guys ever Because Crowder's traveling the world, and now Hawk's just like, well, I'm leaving in Boca.
0: Yeah, yeah. They uh, they don't come into Dade. I think I think that's the thing. They just don't want to come to Dade County. So I'm basically in the studio by myself. Wow. Yeah. At least you've got you know your web
1: webbed foot uh, uh, counterpart. I do. I have Marcos here. That's always good. And, you know, allegedly they tell me these cameras we have set up in here, not the one that you guys are seeing here uh, for the video watchers out there, but uh, they say the cameras in here will work in here one day. But anyway, man, look, we are less than two weeks out from the first week against the New England Patriots. I cannot wait for this matchup. And you were telling me some very, very strange news has come out in regards to the New England Patriots. This is, uh, uh, quite frankly, stunning to hear.
0: Yeah, so the, the way I saw it was uh, Yanni Karakis, I believe is how you, you pronounce his name. Yes. He works in the West Palm Beach market for one of the TV stations up there. And I've seen him around Dolphins Camp, by the way. Yeah, so yeah. He's been around the team this season and I think last year as well. So he tweeted, he's hearing the Pats will be coming to South Florida earlier than usual next week to get acclimated to heat. And practice at a local college here before the Week One game next week against the Patriots. And I love this because we've talked about, you know, kind of the the circus that's going up, uh, that's going on up there in Foxborough, and uh, and Belichick getting cutesy, and and who's calling plays? Is he yeah. calling plays? There's no like, I guess there's an offensive coordinator, whatever. And Tobin, I mean, the Dolphins have been practicing in this heat for six weeks. Yep. I just love the idea where Bill Belichick is. You know, laying down at bed one night, and he's like, You know what, we're gonna do? We're gonna go to Miami. They give us three extra days to get
1: acclimated to this heat. It's weird for a couple of reasons. And yeah, I'm also seeing like Andy Slater reporting it's gonna be at Palm Beach Atlantic. So I know exactly where that is. That's downtown West Palm, which is very strange. Like, they wouldn't (laughs) even go to a close college. Like, what's the farthest reasonable college we could go to to practice for the Miami Dolphins? But it's weird for a couple of reasons. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. But the Dolphins and the Patriots have been in division together for a very long time. Bill Belichick has been the coach of the Miami Dolphins for a very long time uh, – coached against the Miami Dolphins for a very long time. I don't ever recall anything like this. Like, this is a very typical thing. You go to the West Coast to acclimate to time zone. Right. That's not new. That's a thing. Like, he was even practicing in Vegas. They had the joint practices. They do that for – uh you know, Leroy Horde was telling me one when he was like, oh, well, you know, we went to Arizona. And we you – know, time zone i get acclimating to heat first of all you're not going to do it that's good luck if you're acclimating (laughs) to the heat down here and you think two days is going to do it with two practices if anything i think it's just going to deplete your team second of all it's just a very i don't trust anything about this team Mm -hmm. what can i do as coach genius bill belichick to put my fingerprints or act like i'm doing something to me this reeks of insecurity yeah, that's exactly
0: what I what I thought when I saw this. Like, oh, three extra days in Miami, that's the difference between Mac Jones completing passes or not. Uh nope. No, Mac Jones is just trash. Like that that's that's where you're and, and he he knows it. Tobin, like, he knows it. So he's he's trying to pull out all the tricks. He's trying to get creative. He's trying to figure out some sort of way to give his team I don't know if if it's like this sense of you know, we'll have the advantage going in there. They're not or- going to have the
1: advantage. <laughs> They're not going to have the advantage. Like, look, it it is brutal practicing down here. I don't know what it's like up in New England as far as temperature. I'm sure there's still some pretty hot days up there, but it's obviously very soupy down here. It, you're going to get drained of it really quickly because of how humid it is. I just don't understand. Like, to me, I see that, and I'm going to see – like, I, I, I'm no sports scientist, but I feel like as a coach – you're going to put your players in a new environment for two days, not going to get them ready for the Miami Heat, and all of a sudden they're going to be even more depleted. Whatever you try to get them to to that week one, I feel like it's going to backfire. Maybe if you did it for two weeks, okay, we did two weeks. It kind of got us together. We're used to this soupy heat. You're coming down, one Monday next week? That ain't going to work. Yeah, Yeah, I'm looking forward to
0: all of this blowing up in Belichick's face. I know a lot of people keep doing this thing where they're like, "Well, it's Bill Belichick. Don't doubt the Patriots." You know, the, and I get it, by the way, right? Because we still have a rookie head coach, has yet to play a game. As hyped as we are after the preseason, and as hyped as as we are listening to uh, McCoaching all the time, right. I get where that that thought process comes from. Like anything can happen week one. You know, all the all the cliches. It's still Bill Belichick, greatest head coach arguably in the history of the game. And he gets the advantage over the rookie head coach. I get that. But, man, like, I am so ready to just say that Bill Belichick misses Tom Brady. And that's that's it. Like, there's nothing else for me to say other than... He's not the same guy without the Super Bowl, seven-time Super Bowl champion Tom Brady. And we have to stop creating all these narratives that Bill Belichick, like, he's only still coaching because he wants to beat Shula's record. And he'll get there eventually. Like, the uh, f- uh, the, the Patriots are going to let him coach out until yeah. he wants to. Like, he'll God, get Shula there eventually. hated him, too. Yeah. Shula yeah. hated him. But... But, like, he's not this magician who has these tricks up his sleeve and they're going to come down here to South Florida. Dolphins have a better roster. They have the better quarterback. And may I say they might have the better coach by the end of the season?
1: Maybe. I mean, (laughs) listen, let's not get crazy about it. But I think the thing that I find funny about this is, one, he has been coaching against the Dolphins for years. So why all of a sudden – not to my knowledge this has ever happened – um. Why all of a sudden is he pulling this move? So yeah, that definitely feels like I don't. I, I I feel like not only do we not have the better team, but we're gonna get out out elemented with the Miami <laughs> Dolphins, which is strange. Um. But it it would be like like imagine Mike McDaniel sending Tua Tagovailoa up to Foxborough or up to Boston to practice for a week before they get used to that game. It's like. If he's not used to it now, he's never going to be used to right. it. Like it is what it is, and I just think that <laughs> look at this. Now on the other side of this, now it's a must win because <laughs> if he does win this, holy crap, are they going to go? Oh, Belichick, he did it. He figured it out. So now it's a must win. Now, like now, I'm like all all on the side of everybody's kind of leaning up. They're hearing what a disaster it is in New England. Everything's going awry nobody has faith in him, everybody's picking against him, and then on top of it, he had him there three days early to to practice, you can't lose that game. Yeah. You must win this game now. It's uh, it, it, it. Otherwise, it could send you uh, into a tailspin. But the fact that they're doing it is just very, very strange. It's very strange, and it smells a lot like I don't have a lot of faith in my roster.
0: It does worry me a little that I'm kind of – putting the Dolphins at 1-0 and to start the season, and I, I'm not even second-guessing it. Um, typically, when you're going in that confident, I don't know if you saw the NFL Network release like their preseason, or I'm sorry, their week one picks already. All 10 analysts or experts or whatever you want to call them, all 10 had the Dolphins. I bet you that's never been the case. Dolphins, Patriots, everybody picking the Dolphins. Yeah in two decades in the the bill belichick era
1: like there's there's always the group think mush yeah you know like you do have to worry about that but i I think that what it does spell is i think a lot of the concerns that we do hear are legitimate like there have been a lot of negative reports about the dysfunction of the coaching staff which we got kind of a taste of last year this Mm -hmm. was a you know a flores special where he had the multiple coordinators and Tua didn't know who, you know, was getting in the plays, or they were very secretive about who's doing the plays. But the thing that's strange about it is that they've apparently given the responsibility to Matt Patricia, who hasn't been an offensive coach in 17 years. That's really weird. Yeah. That this guy who has been a defensive guru for all these years before he was a joke in Detroit, that was his bag. That he was he was kind of Flores before Flores on on Belichick's staff. And now they're flipping him onto the other side of the ball, alongside Joe Judge, um, who's a special teams guy. It's just—it's very strange. Like I don't understand why Bill Belichick knew that eventually Josh McDaniels was going to leave. I don't understand why there was no thought of we're going to groom the next guy. Right? Is it because his weirdo mullet son doesn't know how to call plays? Like I just find it very strange that he didn't have a succession plan. For McDaniel, who has obviously been trying to leave for like five years, changed his mind because he's a Peter Pan, wouldn't grow up. But I just find it strange that now he's like, I got it. We're going to do something that's never been done for, done before. We're going to acclimate to the heat like a bunch of Gila monsters. It is it is so bizarre what, what we're
0: reading from there. And it's not – by the way, it's not just like the national media that's down on them. Every single local writer, like everything I'm reading – uh, you you listen to Wei and oh, and they they are just like they are beside themselves. They're expecting a bad bad yeah. season. When you look at the schedule, by the way, the first four games. I mean, I'm sick of talking about the first four games. Let's just see it play out. But the one you circle for the Dolphins as like you have to come away with the the victory is the Patriots, right? Definitely. Because uh, Baltimore on the road. I know we beat them last year. Thursday night football. Still tough. That's a tough one for yeah, Miami. It's still and, tough, and, and
1: they had a lot of injuries last year,
0: too. Yeah, and and Baltimore, let's be real. I mean, they've been our daddies other than last year on Thursday Night Football where Javon Holland played Dude, the th- game of his life and right. Tua comes into the second half. Like, a lot of things went the Dolphins' way, which typically hasn't happened in yeah, the past couple you're years. you're supposed
1: to have the good performance prime time in your building on Thursday night, but – it was definitely, look, it was definitely shocking. I lost a bet off of that. I ended up having to dress like an elf and go to Prime 112, which doesn't seem like losing a bet, but when you have to go to a fancy restaurant, dressed like an elf, you know, they don't see many people like that other than Tyler Hero, the way he dressed at the Prime 112 the other day. <laughs> but um, you're right. Like, that's, that's a game that should make you nervous, especially, like, are we going to get Prove-It Lamar Jackson? Are we going to get Impress-The-Dolphins Lamar Jackson? Who knows? Who knows? But... The point of it being is, you're right, it's a very, very tough first four games between New England, is a rivalry game, Baltimore, the Bills, and then Cincinnati on a Thursday night. It is tough, and, and you do look at this and you think that you have a team that looks a little bit shook going into the season, and you're at home you got to open up with a win. Yeah. You got to. So it does – while while it is fun to laugh at them, now I'm starting to get a little bit talking into this, a little bit scared of the pressure.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking about last night where I think uh, on the last episode of the Porpoise Pod, I was just – I'm basically assuming week one doesn't matter because the Dolphins are, are going to notch a victory. And, you know, then I see all these NFL network analysts giving the Dolphins yeah. the praise that almost never happens – and you start to to do the calculations in your head, and you're like, hmm, this, something's a little fishy here. Something's off. What's going on here? The Dolphins are favored going into week one. The line moved from two and a half to three. It might move, continue to move because of all the money being put on the Dolphins. I know there ah. were like some big bets coming in on the Dolphins this week, too. Yeah. There's a lot of Dolphins hype that's happening around. I don't want the bubble guts. I want to remain confident. I want to continue to move forward and feel like, this is the one the Dolphins are gonna get. They're gonna start off their season right. We're gonna continue the hype into Week Two, going on the road into Baltimore, which would be huge. Yeah. Um. So I don't want the bubble guts, but in the back of my mind, it's like, oh, uh, because
1: the-? there was a lot of hype going into last year too. Like there was a lot of hype between the way that they were going into this, Tua's first year as the starter, uh, the defense. Everybody had a lot of uh, had a lot of phrases. You had the crazy clutch win with Xavier Howard stealing the ball from Mac Jones, yeah. and you're like, "Man, this is gonna be great." And then all of a sudden, they're losing seven in a row. Yeah, um, yeah, but
0: but don't we do that? To be fair, let's be real. Every year, you hype up your team, of right? course, especially when you have the. I'm not saying should
1: be hyped. I'm nervous that everybody else seems to be kind of hopping on the bandwagon.
0: Well, what I was gonna say was that in past years, I think the hype just comes naturally from. Being around the team, watching them practice, expecting them to take the next step—like it—it's normal to hype up your team in the off-season, especially guys like you and I who are around the team, we're watching them. It's—it's it's normal for fan bases to do that, um, but this year I do think it's actually warranted. We've talked about it all the additions, what we saw in the preseason. Like, this is a, a clearly better roster. Nobody would argue Definitely. that. This is arguably the best roster the Dolphins have had in a very, very long well, time.
1: How many years have we gone into this, this excited about the offense? And, like, have some legitimacy behind it. I'm not talking about, like, Adam Gase bringing in Albert Wilson <laughs> and, like, oh, he loves these, like, little receivers from all over the place. Like, no, no, no. Like, you have one of the best receivers legitimately in the league – they definitely look like they have solidified the backfield. Um I mean, like Mike Gesicki's kind of future with the team is like the biggest question mark, but we know he's a good player. Right. We don't we don't, we know Mike Gesicki's not a bum. So if that's your biggest concern going into it outside of health obviously, but like if that's your biggest talent concern, you're in a pretty pretty good place. Uh before we wrap up this segment, um y- you know what Mac Jones' middle name is? I do not. I found this out today. His, his full name is Michael McCorkle Jones McCorkle huh Mick Corkle Mick McCorkle. McCorkle
0: Is there a double C in there
1: Double C little oh. C big C Oh man that's, McCorkle That's rough Yeah
0: I I'm McCorkle Jones Tua to a tongue of Iloa is not losing to McCorkle no, Jones. dude,
1: you're not losing to McCorkle Jones. Are you kidding me? Get the hell out of here I with mean, that. no
0: wonder Belichick is pulling out all the all the tricks. I mean, he's got a guy named McCorkle we on his get, roster. Uh,
1: McCorkle out here. we got to get him acclimated <laughs> to the heat. <laughs> By the way, Belichick, good luck, dude, because like, McCorkle's definitely a guy who like swims with his shirt on, so like he's not going to get acclimated <laughs> to the heat, dude.
0: He's, uh, he's sandals with socks guy at the beach. Definitely.
1: Oh, yeah. He puts the goop on his nose. Yeah. You know, that's, that's – the dumbest idea I've ever heard, to be honest with you, and your, your Palm Beach Atlantic, like f- f- what? Like it's the most random college I could ever think of.
0: What's the idea there, though? Keep him out of South Florida, like keep him out of Miami, keep him out of the partying scene. As a
1: as a Palm Beach resident, let me tell you something right now: Don't sleep on Clematis Street. Like, people can <laughs> still get after it, dude. There's still places where they could go. Uh, they can get after it out there. And uh, he may be thinking, all right, everybody come back to the Cheesecake Factory. But like, <laughs> there's more to it. There's more to it than that, Belichick. So. Uh, Tread lightly, my friend. We'll roll on with the porpoise pie, get to a little echolocation, as we heard from the Dolphins general manager Chris Greer this week on their roster moves, including where they stand with their tight end, Mike Gasecki.
0: Learn more at Marines.com.
1: Porpoise Pod swimming along here as we are counting down the days to Dolphins and Patriots week one. Very excited as the Dolphins camp is officially over. The roster is set this week. We're yeah. down to a 53. And we'll get some thoughts on uh, the final cuts coming up later on in the pod. But uh interesting that we have uh, we did come out of cut down day, Solana with uh, Mike Esecki still on the team. He has not been traded. And so I figured we'd get to a little echolocation here on the show. That is how porpoises communicate. Ergo, we will listen to our favorite porpoises slash dolphins communicate here as Chris Greer doing a rare press conference this week alongside – Mike McDaniel. I think McDaniel. He looked. Uh, he looked like relieved that he didn't have to carry the load of the press conference. He was kind of like throwing a zinger every now and then, kind of guy.
0: Yeah. Anytime you know, Chris Greer. He loves the suit hat combo. Like yes. there's very few people that can pull that off. But Greer, yeah, you know, walking around a little more confident lately, right? He got the Tyreek signing. People yep. are high on this roster. It almost feels like Chris Greer has never been able to breathe so easily. As general manager of the Miami Dolphins, I feel like he, he he walked up on that podium. He wanted to answer questions.
1: Yeah, he was feeling it. He was yeah. like, ah, bring it on, everybody. Uh, <laughs> nailed my last draft class. You know, we were supporting Tua. We got Tyreek Hill. Bring it on. But uh, the most interesting thing right now going in and questioning with this camp was going to be the future of Mike Gusecki. And uh, this is the Dolphins GM Chris Greer on their trade talks or trade discussions with the Dolphins tight end.
2: For us, we did not make any calls on Mike. Um, We had calls from two teams that reached out to us about Mike. Um, We never made any phone calls about him. We were always, Mike was going to be here, and I think everyone made a big deal about him being on the field. Uh, But Mike's a competitive kid, you know, Uh, he's been challenged to do some things he, you know, hadn't been asked to do before and and he stepped up and we were talking about the other day how last couple of weeks he's he's been made some great strides in that area. So uh, for us, it was never about moving him or us trying to Um, teams called asking because he's a good player. And and, um, so for us, You guys have heard me say it for years, you know, I'll always listen. It doesn't mean we're going to do anything because I I think that's negligent if we don't because you never know what kind of deal someone's going to offer you on on someone.
1: There you go. Uh, Do you buy that, Solana, the idea that they didn't really pursue trading him, that teams just called about Mike Gusecki?
0: I didn't at first, right, like this whole time. I know the Preston Williams rumors and I know the, uh, the Lynn Bowden rumors, um, uh, were out there as well, and I, I have no doubt the Dolphins were calling around asking about those two. I didn't buy the kaseki stuff, but now I kind of do. Like I kind of feel, um, like they know there's value there. You know, like they know that's not somebody that they just give up. But if somebody else called, I don't think the conversation was as simple as no, we're not trading them. Nah, Hang on, get
1: rid of them. Yeah, I think they listen, and then you know with the final fifty-three of them keeping five tight ends. Yes. Yeah. You know, that yeah. kind of leads to me to believe like, all right, we were all very impressed with what Tanner Connor did in, in camp and, and some of the flash that he is, but he is an undrafted rookie. I don't know what you know, you can't just roll him out there and think he's gonna have the production. I, I look, there has to be at some point, I think, with the Dolphins looking at Hunter Long and saying, All right, when is this guy going to for lack of a better term, sink or swim with his with his NFL career. So right. maybe there's a thought that he could take a little bit of a burst because he was definitely having some early struggles in camp as well. But none of them are the offensive weapon as a receiver that Mike Gusecki is, not even Durham Smythe. I mean, Durham Smythe's career high in touchdowns is two. So this guy does have the credibility of being a very, very fierce weapon, but you also have a coach – here who expects a lot out of that position but is like the way I guess that he has handled all of the the noise you know so yeah. I don't know here is uh, Mike McDaniel also speaking on Mike Gusecki and uh raving about the way that he's handled all the adversity no the coolest thing too is there there was um noise he's alluding to and one of the cooler parts of training camp for me in general um, I made a point to the team the other day was that you know what Mike worried about and all that about getting better at blocking and catching and he's there each and every day he he's doing one or two things um, uh, better to his standard of the way he wants his football to look and that that's that's all you can ask for that's a um, that's a that's a guy that teammates and um, coaches and everyone respect are the ones that can ignore the noise and just try to get better. It's kind of an odd thing. So he actually brought up to the team, you know how we're trying to trade Mike Gusecki or thinking about it? He handles that noise, everybody. Don't worry about that,
0: huh? But Gusecki really is like the perfect teammate, right? Like he's always been one of those guys, you know, he's going to put his head down. He's going to get to work. He's going to do what he's been asked. And all the, the comments from Gasecki throughout training camp were, I know I got to get better. We talked about how he even said somebody told me I was a, a wide receiver, a glorified yeah. wide receiver, mm-hmm. and, uh, like, that time is done. I've got to improve this part of my game, the blocking part of his game. There's no secret there. So it doesn't shock me that these guys, Chris Greer, Mike McDaniel, like, they're pleased with Mike and his attitude and and the way he's approached this situation. But, again – as much as they say you know we weren't shopping him everybody knows the situation everybody in that locker room understands the situation which is yeah he's not the ideal tight end for this team so anytime that's out there anytime that's been understood by everybody you never know you you just never know what's going to happen and and that like that's a part of the game man it
1: really is it's it's part of the business for sure. and the other thing is like I'm sure you can make those examples of there's the right way to handle it. Mike Gusecki's way. And then there's the Preston Williams way, which is like make a stink, but you don't really do anything with that after you make a public stink about I'm not happy, which, look, I mean, yeah, Mike Gusecki makes a ton more money, so obviously he wasn't going to get cut, but there's a reason why Preston Williams is no longer with the club. It's like, okay, you didn't acclimate to this situation or you didn't really respond by performance in a situation of adversity. Like Mike Geseckki certainly was dealing with some adversity and seemed to come out of it on the other side pretty well. I think that the coach having a lot more faith in him. Whereas a guy like Preston Williams was just like, I want him to be a man of it. I want him to be a man of his word. He sold to, to Mike McDaniel. And that resulted in you muffing punts by the end of the preseason. So I think that uh I think certainly one of the things that Mike McDaniel were learning about him is that all coaches want accountability, but it's really he's not he's not a words guy. Like he is in actions of hey, even he can call Tyreek Hill and says, "You messed up here, fix this." And one of the things that he likes is that Tyreek Hill usually will take that and show the good example for everybody else. Right. Um so interesting uh interesting dynamic there with uh where they're feeling on Gasecki. Gasecki spoke to the media later on in the week. Uh was first asked if he is uh, still happy to be on the Dolphins. But they never called anyone. Obviously, they value you. Was that something that Peter might convey to you as you know rumors swirled the last couple of weeks? No, no. And pleased how it worked out with you being here. Oh, Am I pleased how it worked out? Right? I, I I do enjoy my time here. So yes. <laughs> well, all right. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. A little a little touchy though, right? A little, right. A little frosty. A little, a little frosty. Yeah. A little frosty. A little sensitive. You know, I understand. Yeah. He's uh he's not. Look, he's not in the. He's not. If he was ha- at his happiest, he would be happy with a long-term deal. Anytime a guy is on a one-year deal, and you're essentially being told to prove it, even though it's a handsome living for 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 one year, you're making you know ten million dollars, eleven million dollars. The ideal situation is get signed long-term, have some security for your family, and all that type of stuff. Uh, one more on for echolocation. This is Gusecki on uh, his reaction to McDaniel saying that he handled the adversity well.
0: Uh, I mean for him I think it's it's you know one of his one of his rules and one of, you know, the things that you know he kind of uh takes extremely serious uh just because you can apply it in so many different ways in in life and the game and all that kind of stuff. So uh um I wouldn't really call that part adversity. Um but there is gonna be adversity in games that uh you know you can you're gonna have to be able to go through and um you know, ride the peaks and the valleys and come out come out a better better player and
1: better man because of it um so absolutely like a champ yeah yeah i like mike you know like uh it's hard not to like him and i think the thing that's also been good is you know through all the uh i say one of the things that was great of him as a teammate last year when Tua was going through all that stuff he was one of the guys very out in front publicly supporting his quarterback when nobody in the organization really was publicly so for him to 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 have that i think that that probably buys a lot I'm sure like Tua, you know, this has been a thing where they've said that with Tom Brady, where he's like conscious of like what he can do to get his big time receivers landmarks or money and all that type of stuff. So I'm sure that Tua's got to be well aware of that going into this stuff as well. It's just uh it's just an interesting thing going into the season about where uh where things stand with Mike Kiseki and what this season is going to mean for him and the rest of his dolphins career.
0: Yeah, it's also a tough spot because like you said, right? You want that long-term deal. He wants to be able to go out there and show off his best attributes, show off what he's best at, which is not what the Dolphins are hoping he'll, you know, provide for this offense. And it's tough because that that, that could end up costing him a ton of money, Tobin. Like, yeah. you know, he realizes that. Uh but but like you said, there's a way to handle it. There's two ways to handle it, and he's doing it the professional way, which obviously down here we appreciate uh, but who knows how this will turn out? Maybe by week six, week seven, he's not happy, you know. And and Trade we'll get, time. yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. get, we'll get a different, different Mike Gusecki up at the podium.
1: Do you think it's important? Like we talked about this in the uh, some of the preseason that they try and target him. Like, do you think that is important to get that relationship off to, you know, a, a really good start when the games matter? Or do you think that if Mike McDaniel does like the little, you know, the the well-roundedness let's say of a Durham Smythe like he just go with that and that'd be the better place
0: yeah I, I think I think it's just go with Durham Smythe and 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 keep it going but you have to believe that Mike McDaniel can figure out a way to get Gesicki involved somehow, somehow right um we, we've talked about it where you know you risk the defense knowing if you put in Gesicki there's a very high percentage. It's a pass play. You kind of tip off yeah, what you might sure. be doing, but that's the reason why you bring in Tyree Kill. It's the reason why you have uh, Jalen Waddle. It's the reason why Tua is so effective rolling out. Like there's ways to uh, to maximize even the defense knowing here comes a pass play, uh, especially when you have all these weapons. So I, I think we'll see an effective Mike Gesicki at some point. But, look, there's a reason why I'm not drafting my fantasy league, Tobin. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're in a fantasy league together. We are. There's, there's a reason why uh, Mike Gesicki is not, is not going to go high up uh, as, as one of the premier tight ends, and it's because there's just, like, that, that factor of, of not knowing.
1: When we come back, we will uh, give some final thoughts on the Dolphins roster. Plus, the 2022 team captains have been revealed. Get to that next. Corpus Pod back here with you, Tobin, Solana, as we are getting ready for Dolphins and Patriots week one, more than a week out. Uh, A couple of things as we are recording some breaking news on a couple of fronts that have come through. So if you guys are checking this out, I'm glad that we get to react to this now. But uh, we have the 2022 team captain, Solana, a lot of them. A lot of them, but there's one everybody cares about. There's one everybody cares about. And obviously, that is Alandon Roberts. Alandon <laughs> Roberts is again a team captain. 52. Back to back years. No. Okay. So here are your team captains Christian Wilkins, Teron Armstead, Alandon Roberts, Xavier Howard, Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. Javon Holland. Okay. Okay. I like Javon Holland being a captain. Me too. Uh, that's yeah. good. Year two? Yeah. That's impressive. That's impressive from Javon Holland. And finally, in year th- in year three, Tua Tungavailoa is a mother-bleeping captain. Finally. I'm the captain now. Let's go. Let's go. That's how – listen, you want to know something? Can I just say, this is how you captain, okay? Last year – with Jesse Davis being the ca- worst captains of all time. Fendulum, TikTok Boy, uh, Jesse Davis, <laughs> uh, all the worst captains I've ever seen. And no Tua. This is how you captain. The best players on the team. That's who your captains are. You
0: love uh, to bleep and see it. Finally. Like, this is, man, it, it was so simple, right? To, to, to make the right moves. To make people feel comfortable around this organization, and Flo wanted none of it. None of it. It's he like, none I was like, always
1: just make it a little bit more difficult.
0: And and it's so simple. Like this just makes everybody happy. That's it. Make two with the captain. It wasn't that hard. Don't tell me. Captains have to earn it. Hey, get get out of here with all that nonsense. The team votes. No, I don't care what the team votes for. We all did those stupid little votes in elementary school for who would be class president. And guess what? The teachers always rigged it. You want to know why? Because there's a there's a reasoning behind certain moves, and this is one that had to be done. Tua, captain. Yes. It's simple. It's obvious. Everybody's happy.
1: I like how the, I like also how, on the Dolphins' tweet, they list him on top top captain first one first one first one. so let me tell you something right now on these debate shows I better mother boob and see a bunch of oh to named a captain this year because it knows a storyline last year that he wasn't that's right oh that's that captain list last year stunk it's Ka- Colin Coward did three shows on three uh, shows on it do <laughs> it not shows. being a captain
0: and how that's going to affect the Dolphins moving forward uh and, and their quarterback situation by the way, we mentioned Jesse Davis being a captain last year. Worst captain of all time. The worst. The worst captain in the history of sports. Uh, captain you, of injuring your players. <laughs> you saw uh, Brian Flores. I did. And the Steelers. I did see this. Going out and signing Je- – trading, excuse me, trading
1: for Jesse Davis. giving an asset for Jesse Davis. This Brian Flores is out of his mind. I don't understand it. Did, like, how did he <laughs> – did, did he just decide he goes – to. does he go to – Mike Tomlin goes. I got a little depth problem. I got the guy. I know just He's the fix. He's versatile. He can play every position poorly. But Brian, didn't he
0: give up the sack that injured your franchise quarterback last year for seven weeks? He
1: did. He and the one that knocked Jacoby Brissett out as well. And oh, that one too. So
0: how? Why should we bring Trust him in? Trust me.
1: Experience. <laughs> experience is the key. So great captains list that comes out for the Dolphins. I like that. A little now, little wonder, Hollywood uh, Little Hollywood Vaughn. Oh, cheetah. Dude. Yes. That's a no brainer, right? You can't you can't not have Cheetah Gotta the captain. have the Cheetah. Well, you know, that's been a thing. McDaniel's made a big point about Cheetah's leadership. He's like he's not only I, I think that everybody knows how good a receiver he is, and everybody's basically been saying he's a distraction. And McDaniel's saying no, he's not. That he's when you when you do something like that, you make him a captain. You're basically saying to him that no, I believe in this guy and what kind of an influence he can be on this team and especially to the young players. So that is uh, – that's good. Oh, I love that captain's list. No, Jason uh, Sanders. I was kind of hoping the kicker
0: would uh, would squeak in somehow. I always like a, a kicker as a captain. Do you? Yeah, like just, just for no reason other than uh, – I mean, J- it's Jason Sanders. The, you know? only,
1: the only special team I want as a captain is John Denny. That's it. <laughs> yeah. the great John Denny. Yeah. Long snapper extraordinaire. Should be in the ring of honor. But other than that, uh, beautiful. Well done. Now, um, the Dolphins do have one concern that's been going on right now, and that is the health of Jalen Waddell. Uh, He was back at practice yesterday as far as the media could see him, but now that uh, training camp is closed, they don't really know what he's doing. The last time I saw him in action was the last week of camp, the Tuesday before the joint practices started. He did some individual drills, but we haven't really seen him do anything against competition for about three weeks now, and he was having himself a really, really good camp. Concerned at all with the idea that Jalen Waddell is not maybe up to full speed yet? They have, uh, as as football and sports want to do, they're not very forthcoming when it comes to injuries.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't concerned because the way McDaniel framed this three weeks ago when he missed his first couple of days of practice was preventative measures by the Dolphins training staff and, uh, and he made it pretty clear that Jalen wanted to be out there. Jalen's been frustrated. Mad with, at him. Right like he's been frustrated and mad that the coaching staff and the training staff are keeping him out but then I saw this tweet from Adam Beasley and he says lots of concern about the corners obviously Byron Jones still on the pup list he'll miss the first four games but Jalen Waddles now in his third week of dealing with an unspecified injury and he says believed to be soft tissue lower body. Um, it's hard not to be concerned because the same way we're concerned about the defense and beyond the fact that no Igbenogany might have to get reps as a corner, this defense was constructed to work around two unbelievable corners, Xavier Howard on one side, Byron Jones on the other. Right. And when you take one of those out, I mean, look, the Dolphins' defense is still really good. It's still elite. You still have X out there, but you know, it's just not going to function the way that it's supposed to when those two are healthy, the same way the same you know idea works with Tyree Hill on the offense lining up. If you don't have, how did he put it? He's the Ferrari and and uh, Jalen in a Ferrari, right? Whatever. If, if you don't have super fast, right? If you don't have the other guy on the other side, I mean that eliminates you know your, your offense in, in a certain way. Yeah, it, it's the easy take. Jalen Waddle on the team is better, obviously, but um it's not just anybody. It's it's that other element of speed that keeps the defense from from knowing what you're doing and and keeps you know their eyes on one guy cheetah in the backfield and letting Jalen go nuts over the top. So I'm I'm just concerned because you're telling me we're gonna start week one against the Patriots and have to go into that gauntlet without Byron Jones and maybe
1: without Jalen Waddle. Yes, I'm that def- is concerning. I'm more concerned about like if I had to rank them like I'm definitely more concerned because I feel like they can cover the loss of Waddle a lot better than it feels like right now they can handle the loss of Byron Jones. Yeah. Um and then also we don't really know with Byron Jones. We were told Byron Jones is going to be ready for the beginning of the season. Byron Jones is going to be good to go. And now he's going to miss at least 4 games. And then what does it mean to get him into football shape? What does it mean to get him up to speed? Like what is what does that process look like? So it could be one of these things uh that when you don't have a training camp and you're also coming off of injury, wh- what is the the timeline like for him to get back? If Jalen Waddell has to miss you know, the first game or even the first couple of games, okay, there's still Cedric Wilson. I think we've all been impressed with Azucama and what he's been able to do. I think that they can handle that a lot better. I also think that they are in super cautious mode right now because I think they're confident with how he's taken in the knowledge of the playbook. That there's no need to push him. I'll be concerned if he's not practicing by next week. Like, like if there's the first Tuesday and he is like it's reported that you know, and McDaniel admits he hasn't been out there, and we see the practice report because they do have to put out a report that says whether you're limited or whether you're doing it. now. They can get cutesy with that and they could fudge it a little bit, but that's when I would start getting concerned. If this is the last week where okay, we want to be uber cautious with him, I do think it's enough for Jalen Wild to ramp up because I, I think one. He obviously has his already pretty set chemistry with Tua. He is seemingly they raving about how he's handled the playbook. But, um, you know, he is still a guy. Like, there were some durability questions with him coming into the league. So, that could be a little bit of a concern. But I'm not all the way there yet to level. I wouldn't say I'm concerned yet. But I'm definitely like... One more, one more week, and I'll be like, all right. Now I'm getting. I mean, I, I would say I, I'm a step away from getting nervous, which is a step away from being concerned.
0: Yeah, and it—it it was really just that tweet, like soft tissue. You yeah, never, you never want to see that. No, you know that's. That's where I was like, oh, no, you know, what, what what, could be the issue
1: down there? Yeah, he's got some sleeve on his right leg. We don't really yeah. – we don't really know. And I think until they have to give out an injury report, I don't think they can really – I don't think they really – it's not – they they can go pretty much hockey mode until then. Yeah. They can be incognito about it. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Before we get out of here, man, any, you know, things that really stood out about the, about the final roster, anything that really surprised you um, – as far as uh, cuts are concerned or the way they shaped things?
0: Yeah, I mean, not necessarily um, surprising. I think, you know, the biggest question marks were, what are they going to do with the offensive line? Solomon Kinley doesn't end up making it. Um, And then with the wide receivers, we knew, like, it was going to be Sanders, it was going to be Craycraft. which one of those guys wasn't going to make it. Were they going to keep six? They ended up only keeping five. Yeah,
1: I was a little surprised by that. I was a little surprised that they only went with five wide receivers. I thought for sure... The way Craycraft played in that last game, and because of his past with McDaniel, I thought that that was going to be enough to earn him a spot. Um, Braylon Sanders, I'm not super surprised he got cut because I just think that he, you know, he's undrafted. That's an uphill climb, and it was a pretty stacked room as it was. And I think once I wouldn't be surprised if he gets back on practice squad or signs with somebody else. Um, you know Bowden and uh and Preston Williams not surprising at all that they were gone.
0: But. Yeah. Yeah, I th- I think the the writing was on the wall. I told you like the second Preston Williams uh didn't play in that first preseason game until they threw him out there to to like get a, a punt return. I knew it was he, the writing was on the wall. He yeah. was he was dumb-so. For sure. Um but yeah, I mean that pretty much stood out to me, but when you have to keep Skylar Thompson, you have to keep that third quarterback. Oh, I know. We haven't. I can't believe we've gone this whole podcast. We haven't even talked about your boy Sky, <laughs> Skyler Thompson. I was, I, I was hyped up. I know. Uh, once again, we found ourselves another, uh, another issue to be divided upon here in Dolphins Nation. But man, like he, he earned his roster spot. He did.
1: Can we agree there? He, he earned his did. roster spot. He definitely did. I think that honestly i think that you look at it and you question like do you keep teddy bridgewater i think that would have been the interesting debate like because did he outplay teddy bridgewater i would say he definitely did in practices and all that type of stuff now it's different because he gets to go up against you know weaker players and he doesn't have to go against the top of the line guys but every single time he was on the field he was making big plays yeah there were a couple he got really lucky on because he's a risk taker he was a risk taker and i think that that's what he needed to do. He needed to kind of show that he's gonna make some big time throws to show that he's got that uh, you know, that level of confidence in his game, especially being a little bit of an older player. The idea, though, that they have like the next Tony Romo or something like that, though, <laughs> like I was a little taken aback. I'm not gonna lie, I was a little taken aback by the press conference that Chris Greer and McDaniel. We were like almost giddy with how much they like loved Skylar Thompson. I was like, "All right, guys,
0: calm down a little bit." What was the that the quote Greer said was that they called a couple teams around the league and asked like, "Hey, what do you think about this Skylar Thompson guy?" And I think his quote was they said that if we drop him, we're crazy. Like we're like if oh, we we're wave stupid. him, yeah. right,
1: we're stupid and we're not in the business of being, <laughs> I'm being stupid. Stupid. I and cool. All right. But <laughs> I just can see it you like know, Tua you has know one. I, st- I, I know you that. do, but like one stinker that. from Tua and everybody's gonna be starting the yep. drum beat. And yep. I do think that for Chris Greer, like right now, his career, we were talking about it's very improved right now. He's holding his head high. But his legacy for a lot of this is going to be, especially if Tua doesn't turn around, that you passed on Justin Herbert one pick before Tua Tangabello. Fair yep. or not. Understand it's not all him, but that is going to be on his 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 legacy the top of his resume as a GM but one of the things that I think can always eradicate that is if you found the gem QB where nobody found the gem QB yeah that can almost wash it off so I was like he was peacocking a little bit for me he was. With, with Skylar Thompson He
0: was I think they they feel like they have something there they really do like beyond him being a good start or backup quarterback potential like I feel like they low-key think they may have found the diamond in the rough and really quickly something else that we haven't even touched on the running back room uh we knew that it was going to be chase edmonds and we knew it was going to be um who am i missing mostert there? Uh, mostert but did any of us believe savan ahmed and uh and miles gaskin were going to make this roster both of them not coming so. into
1: camp i didn't think there was a shot in hell they were both going to make this team out of camp yeah. i thought no shot in hell i so, thought that i thought that they bring in sony michelle he's got the pedigree right but as the preseason went on and we watched how Sony was playing in comparison to those guys, it makes a lot of sense. Like that, those guys, if we're talking about earning jobs, those guys outplayed him by a mile. And so I think it does make sense that they did keep him around. And I do think, look, if you're on a team where Miles Gaskin and Sivan Ahmed are your three and four, and you can bring them in every time, t- change a pace, can do some things and get tricky with them great yeah. i don't want them to be my lead backs i don't think they're that and i think we're also seeing an improved line so we might see improved performances from them as well um before we get out of here we started off this podcast talking about how shook the patriots are i think we should end it like that give me the news that you sent me the patriots have just
0: signed as we're recording this podcast Lynn Bowden Jr. to their practice squad.
1: Classic coward move. Unbelievable. Classic of the old brain drain. We said it though. He's yep.
0: pulling out every trick in the book.
1: Every trick in the book. This dude is so shook on the talent of his team, Bill Belichick. He don't know what's gonna hit him. It's it's a it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> well, Solana, this was this was a newsworthy pod. We had yeah. a lot of stuff to hit on today. Yeah. We had the captain's break during the show today. Uh, fun uh, fun times here on the Porpoise Pod. Thanks you to everybody for your continued support of the show and. We will be back next week to uh, get you ready. An official game week the next time we talk to you guys. Until then, thank you for all your support of the Poker Spot, and we'll talk to you next time.